We are in a race. Sometimes I think we forget that. Sometimes I think that we we believe ourselves to be just in this casual uh, walk in the park. But we are in a race, friends. And that should get our minds into a, a mode of thinking like that of an athlete or that of a soldier who's in a war. And those are the images that Scripture uses. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, I'll just read it, verse 24, Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize? So run that ye may obtain. Again, the Apostle Paul is saying that we're in a race. And when you're in a race, there's a prize at the end of that race. He goes on to say in verse 25 of 1 Corinthians 9, And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. And I don't know if you've seen any kind of documentaries or, or uh, videos of, sometimes I watch um, athletes and various individuals, whether it's the Olympics or something else, where they, they do a little documentary on the, on the individual. But the amount of dedication and the training and the discipline and the time that they put into uh, an earthly crown, a gold medal, five minutes of fame, is incredible. I mean, it takes years for an individual to get ready for this one moment, this brief moment, where all eyes are on them. And uh, it takes day by day, getting up early, regulating your activities, regulating what you eat, uh, being in the gym, uh, training, this this ongoing regulation, this striving for the mastery, being temperate in all things. And athletes do this the world over. You may know a number of athletes that are are like that. But they're doing this the world over. And nobody thinks anything of it. It's a very natural thing. But you have millions of athletes that all are in this race. And they will regulate themselves fastidiously. For what? To get a piece of gold plated something. You know, a corruptible crown. Like I said, five minutes of fame where they're in front of the cameras and, you know, they got the gold or they won the race. And that's it. It's corruptible, meaning that it's very temporary. That that little medal, that trophy, it's very temporary. Those five minutes of fame, you move off the news feed, very temporary, you're forgotten. All those years of effort and and training for that? And yet, we are also in a race. But we don't do it for a corruptible crown. We're doing it for an incorruptible crown. And I think that it's healthy for us to remember that we are in a race. 
if the world is willing to go through that kind of discipline and regimen for something so temporal, what of us Christians for an incorruptible prize? So we are in a race. Let's not forget the fact that we are in a race. The second thing is that a race has a beginning and an ending. Simple, right? But help us, Lord, to remember that there is an end to this race. That's my prayer often. To see the end, help us to number our days that we might apply our hearts to wisdom. There is an end to this race. Now, um, <clears throat> sometimes I think we can have it in our minds that the end of this race that we find ourselves in is revival. I don't know if we would actually think that, but subconsciously we may think that. At the end of the race, for us, is, well, the Lord sends revival and then we can rest. We can... We don't have to pray like this anymore. The Lord has sent revival and we've arrived. That type of a thing. Revival is not the end of the race. A revival is something that we're praying for, but I would I would say, if anything, revival is, is the beginning. Uh, the beginning of something new. But it's certainly not the end. And we don't want to get into a, a mode of thinking even subconsciously that this labor that we're engaged in here will come to an end and we'll be able to finally rest from this when revival comes. Because revival is not the end of the race. But there is an end in this race. Sally B. and Catherine... They have reached the end of their race, haven't they? Um, they didn't know exactly when it was coming, but they have reached the end of the race for them. The end for us, friends, is death. I recently had the privilege, and I counted a privilege to attend funerals, uh, to attend a funeral here locally. Uh, someone connected to our church passed away, and as I was, I was as I was walking through the, the graveyard after the, the burial, I just couldn't help but to notice, you know, you just are struck with the fact that these people are there, these people are dead all around me. They're buried and lying in the ground. And that's it. And here I am. I'm walking with freedom among them, about to get in my car, and drive away, but these people are are dead. It's the race for them is finished. They have reached the end of their life. But here we are, we are still in the land of the living, as the psalmist puts it. We still have breath every day, we still have the great gift of life. It is a gift. Those of us that have come through some period of illness, we appreciate our health all the more. Every day that we wake up is a gift. And we're in the land of the living, as I say. 
we have not reached the end of our race. So, this race has a beginning, starting in our salvation. We are all in it together. We're all in different stages, of course, but we're all in this race. And there is an end to the race. I want you to be thinking about the fact that you will no longer be alive. Isn't that profound? You won't be alive at some point in time. All of your work will be finished. You know, sometimes we get weary of life. We get weary of, of this laboring in, in life, whether it's just the, the cares of life or laboring in a, in a spiritual way with, with prayer and uh, wrestling with the Word. But, you know, all that is, uh, is a great privilege. One day we will not, that will come to an end for us. And let us remember that this race will come to an end. But it's not with revival. And we're not in heaven yet. So we're not enjoying our rest yet. It's still day. Night cometh when no man can work. But for us, it's a time of work and labor. And running this race. So, the other thought that I wanted to lay before you is that it requires patience, therefore. In that verse that we read, it says, Let us run with patience the race that is set before us. I think that's very important for my own heart. We are very impatient people by nature, you know. We want things right away. We want to see results right away. Um, watch pot never boils, as the saying goes. God is doing his work in his time, and he is not bound to our impatience. But the apostle here is instructing us to run this race with patience. And it does take patience. It takes endurance. It takes a, as Galatians 5 says, a standing fast. As what is in 1 Corinthians I have here says, being steadfast, unmovable, always abounding. There's this idea here of, of consistency persistency even, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Steadfastness, not being moved around, standing fast in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free. That Galatians 5 passage goes on to say, ye did run well. There's our race imagery again. Ye did run well. Paul is rebuking the Galatians. Something happened to these saints. They were running, and they were running well. But something happened. They stopped running well. Who did hinder you that you should not obey the truth? And that tells me that we as believers, Christians, we can be running for a time, but then for some reason or another, we can be hindered in our running of this race. So there is a need for patience. 
And there is a need for endurance. Jesus Christ himself said it in Luke 18 that men ought always to pray and not what? To faint. Because that is the tendency of all of us is to faint. Well, how do we do all this? This is the final thing I want to leave with you. In Hebrews 12, verse 2. Okay, we're, we're instructed to run with patience this race that's set before us. It's not going to end when revival comes. It ends when we reach death. That's a long time. We're going to have to run with patience for decades? How do we do that? Verse 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. He started it. He's going to finish it. Who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. He ran with patience, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Look at Jesus. Keep your eyes on him. This is not a, uh, an endurance test of the flesh. No, this is not something we can do in the flesh. We look unto Jesus. For consider him, verse 3. Look to him and consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. You see, the apostle understands that this is plaguing us all. Lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds, consider him. Consider Christ. Let the love of Christ fill your heart. Let the vision of Christ fill your eyes. Uh, there's that verse that I, I've just finished reading this week in Genesis 29, 20, when Jacob was trying to get the hand of his beloved Rachel. Jacob served seven years for Rachel. Served Laban. Seven years, seven years. Wow, really? That's a long time. But they seemed to him but a few days. Why? For the love that he had to her. You know, we have to run this race with patience for how long? Until the end of our race? I don't think we can do it. We can't do it in the flesh. But if we keep our eyes on the Lord and our hearts are filled, like filled with the love for Christ, we consider him and what he has done for us and the fact that he's interceding for us. Everything is about him. This is not about, remember, it's not about us. Get your eyes off of us and what we're trying to do and our endurance and can we do this and keep your eyes on him. And then all those years of laboring, and running will seem like a few days. Why? Because of the love that we have for Him. That's the motivation. That's where we get our energy to do what we do. Friends, run with patience.